Welcome to the Mission City Church Podcast. My name is Jake Eichert, and I am the Community Groups and Creative Director at Mission City Church, as well as the host of this podcast. Each week, you can find full-length sermons, five-minute sermon breakdowns, and inspiring conversations with guests about discipleship, current events, local outreach, and more. Our mission as a church is to make Jesus known, and we pray that this podcast does just that for you. If it does, please subscribe and share. But for now, please enjoy this episode of the Mission City Church Podcast. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Mission State Church Podcast. It is the Thursday edition. I'm your host, Jake Eichert, and I'm joined by lead pastor of Mission State Church, Russell Schultz. Russell, we got a huge episode today. We are jam-packed. We're continuing our series titled The Greatest Sermon Ever Told, and today we're going to include a little bit of culinary uh, prep work. We're going to talk about uh, MTV Cribs, if you remember that show, throwback, uh, a little Downton Abbey discussion. And, you know, just because you're here and this is a church podcast, we're going to throw some scripture and Jesus in there as well. So, Russell, what's up, man? You doing all right? You ready for this uh, this show today? Sure. Yeah, I've been uh, holding you up most of uh, the afternoon, so I'm ready to go. Ready, no, you're great. Ready you're to great. go. You're great. We're, we're, uh, we're right on schedule here. If you print one more piece of paper while I try to record... So help no, I'm just kidding. Uh, we're <laughs> we're good. We're moving right along. Uh, I'm excited to jump in. We started this series talking about the Beatitudes, Jesus' teaching. He is doing this message in order to establish the baseline, the foundation for his his kingdom that he is bringing here on earth. He's teaching people what it looks like to live in the kingdom that he is establishing as the Messiah who is to come. And so we went through these last two weeks, we talked about these beatitudes, what it looks like to be a member of that kingdom. And this week we continue on in this teaching about what it looks like to be salt and light. And salt and light are a couple of examples that Jesus uses to describe what, again, his people should look like or feel like, taste like, I guess. I don't know if he describes what people should taste like. That's a little weird. But this is what you are supposed to be like as a member of this kingdom. And so, uh, Russell, as we get into this, one thing that I have noticed in my research is that some people take the salt and light teaching as a continuation of the Beatitudes. In other words, if you were to be salt and light or you are salt and light because you kind of meet the description of these Beatitudes, I have mixed feelings about that because I think in some ways uh, that's true, that there are some good things that are in those Beatitudes. I also think it kind of leads to one of the things that we talked about in those Beatitudes podcast about how these aren't necessarily things that we strive to be. Now, some of them, they're good things, right? Uh, But some of them maybe aren't necessarily things that we work towards, but things that we should receive comfort and hope, blessings, if you will, uh, in times that we feel those things. So when you are poor in spirit, when you feel lowly, things like that, that you have hope that you can be blessed in those seasons because Jesus is the, he's overcoming the world, and this is the kingdom that he's going to establish. So uh, initial thoughts when I say, hey, Russell, the salt and light of the world are people who exemplify the Beatitudes. What do you think about that? Um, yeah, I have no problem with it. So okay. <laughs> I think my question back to you would be, if you do have a little bit of problem with it, which one do you not want them to be like? Well, I don't think that we should necessarily strive to be poor in spirit. Okay. And that's the first one. And that's the first one that comes to mind, at least. I, that's the first one in the sequence as well. But, like, um, I'm trying to think, like, I, so you mentioned earlier to me before we started recording, like, thirsting for hunger and righteousness or uh, 
thirsting for hunger, uh, being hungry and thirsty for righteousness. Yeah, we should, we should want that. Right. Um, do you have the list in front of you there? Uh huh. So you got poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn. That one, I don't think you, you don't really strive to mourn. No, but I think when you do mourn, they're comforted. I'm with you on that one. Poor in spirit, I think it's just a misunderstanding of who your your state. We are poor in spirit, so that's just actually you don't strive to be; you already are. <laughs> yeah, we're rich because of Christ, but you know what I mean. Uh, the meek, that's a good one. Hunger, thirst, righteousness, that's a good one. Merciful, that's a good one. Uh, pure in heart, that's a good one. Peacemakers, that's a good one. Blessed are those who are persecuted. That's more of a. I don't know if you seek out persecution, but I definitely think it is, uh, you know, so I could see that one. And I, I will, I mean, they do clearly, and most Bibles have a section break, so it's not like he he changes his tone here. Sure. Or at least Matthew changes what, what the messaging here. So it isn't a part of the Beatitudes, but is, I would say some, like if you're a peacemaker, if you're pure in heart, you're merciful, you hunger for righteousness. Like those are, those would, those would be a community, I would say, would be like the light of the world. I think so. That's fair. I'll give you that. I'll let you win that point. Uh, I think I'm about 30, 30, 40%. Circle square. <laughs> yeah. I think I'm about 30, 40% right there, but whatever. Uh, no. Should I print another document? No, no, please don't. Uh, I think as a, as a listener, you can come to your own conclusion about whether you think this is a continuation of that idea or not. I do think that there's value in saying, look, that some of these, at least some, if not all of these Beatitudes, are indications of maybe because we love to measure things you know right like we love to have uh goals we like like here in in america i suppose uh so we want to have markers to say yeah i am being the salt or i am being light right and so maybe if you want some indicators the beatitudes could be some good good check engine lights for you if you will uh to see if you really are fulfilling those things but ultimately i think there are some other deeper issues going on or deeper things that Jesus is trying to teach by calling his people to be salt and light. And so let's jump into, let's just get into that. Uh, verse starting in uh, Matthew chapter five, verse 13, it says this, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. That's pretty harsh. Have you ever had bad salt before? No. I've had a lack of salt. I've had oversalted. Yeah. Burns the tongue, doesn't it? <laughs> it's got not something you want. It's it's undesirable, one might say. So I get I get that. Um there's an interesting uh kind of storyline going in the background here. Um so you might be wondering how can salt lose its saltiness? Um and I, that, cause that's a question that I had, like it, at face value, you're like, yeah, sure. Yeah. You know, loses its most important component or whatever, the flavor of it, um, which we'll get into a number of different things, other things that salt is good for. But, uh, if salt loses its flavor, you know, what is it good for? What is it good? Um, absolutely not. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, so, but if, if salt loses its salt, how does, how does it lose its saltiness? It's that's literally the defining characteristic of it. Right. And so, um, what I found in some brief research was that what would be happening, Russell, if you aware of the grand economic boom of the salt industry out of the dead sea no but i wouldn't be shocked by it at all so uh researchers believe or uh historians believe that you know and we today it's a great it's a big industry but even then that there was an industry of harvesting salt out of the dead sea sure 
what would happen though uh is it some i guess i don't know if shrewd is the right word maybe dishonest businessmen would sell a combo of sand and salt so that they could make you know the salt go longer when they sold it or whatever so i don't know what it would look like to be able to tell as a consumer you know that bag looks like it's half sand man i'm not paying the same amount for that or whatever but like you might when when he says uh, salt loses its saltiness it's no good one thing that comes to mind is if you are um in some ways like not watered down because watered salt is salt water but like if you are sanded down if you if it, if you're more you look like salt but you're actually sand it lost you lost the purpose of what you were there for kind of thing but you kind of look the same um and you, you might deceive others deceive yourself even uh but yeah so i feel like i would be able to tell if there's sand in my salt <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's literally what i've been trying to think about the whole time <laughs> you know what i mean like have you ever tasted sand before? But you wouldn't know that until after you've walked away and put it into something and then realize, oh, I just got swindled. Well, I guess maybe I'm thinking about it because I've been there and like that they don't they don't have like bleached white sand there. Okay. Okay. Fair. So it's like it's like desert, you know. All right. Like it looks like Aladdin. You've you've stood next to like the Dead Sea, or oh, I've, I've, I have floated the Dead Sea, my friend. <laughs> okay, oh, well, you ever float expert? You ever float the Dead Sea before? No, <laughs> no, that's why I bring you on the podcast, <laughs> local expert. No, it's uh, like, uh, yeah, it's actually crazy because you can't. Whenever uh, you know when you try to float in our uh, like in the ocean or or here, because of how much the salt content is, it like it forces pretty, you up. pretty buoyant. Right. Oh, you're super buoyant. Yeah, it's actually like difficult to actually like throw your legs down. Once you get deep enough, you just will float no matter what. Oh wow. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. So, I guess in that, so you're having a hard time seeing how someone might uh, deceive someone into believing that they bought a pound of salt and it's not. I'm not saying it didn't happen. I'm just saying <laughs> I, I'm sure there are ways. You know, swindlers have their ways. I just I'm having a hard time picturing it. So sure. Well overall i think i have a hard time believing that salt has lost its saltiness but if you told me it's not actually salt it's sand that just looks like salt and it doesn't have the key properties that make salt salt that makes sense to me and i think in yeah. some ways maybe that's what jesus is trying to get at yeah so i don't when i think about salt losing saltiness, i don't even know if it actually can happen based on articles i'm reading that salt is salt like in a, from a scientific standpoint it's just salt yeah, NACL. Well, so regardless of whether we can lose saltiness, I, I guess in my translation it actually says the salt if salt has lost its taste, which in some ways I guess you could argue that if you dilute it down or uh, wash it out in a way. I mean, if you dilute it with sand, that would that I, would. I, I will say to it. I will say I am a big fan of salt. <laughs> Not like I think that's a good transition point. Yeah, tell me more. <laughs> no, I'm just saying like the. I not like super salty, not overly salty food, but you know what I mean. Like, I am a big fan of like well seasoned food. Anyone, I don't know. I was supposed to say anyone, anyone out there watch cooking shows. I watch cook, cooking shows all the time. More salt, and uh, guys will lose. You'll lose on if you it depends on what you watch. Some people like chopped. Uh, I watch a show Iron called, Chef. 
uh, Iron Chef, yeah, which is not as popular anymore. I watched uh, Top Chef, which, which is fantastic, by the way, if you're into cooking shows. Uh, seasons Great like bit, four, British baking show? four through 12, never did that. But you'll lose if you don't put enough salt in it or if you put too much salt in it. There's like a very nice sweet spot of because salt you know, enhances the flavor of food. Yep. And I think that's kind of, I think that's what this is getting at. It's like, it says, it says you're here on this or this is actually, to me, this actually goes all the way back to Genesis one where your image bearers, it's a, just a different restatement of this. Your, your image bearers to reflect God's glory and his goodness into the world as his images, as his representation to the world. And I think when we do that, it adds a flair, a flavor that is good to the world. And as God's people, he's called God's people to be a blessing in Genesis chapter 12 and 17 with the Abrahamic covenant. Same thing. He's calling them to be a blessing. And when they cease to do that, they cease to, to be human beings. They cease to be God's people. They cease to to, to, to add the, 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 the spice of life, if you will, Jake. So just variety? That's all we're looking for? I'm just messing with you. No salt. Uh, no, I, salt. Salt actually specifically yeah, is, yeah. Is, is, is the spice of life. <laughs> I, so I agree with you. I think that uh, we've been quoting the message a good bit in the first couple of episodes of this series. So why not keep that going? I think there's a, a good uh, summary here in verse 13 in the message version says, let me tell you why you're here. Let me tell you why you're here on this planet, on this earth. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. Yeah, see, Eugene just crushed it. Which I, yeah, I do kind of love that. And I was thinking, so we're like, there are so many different uses for salt. And I think that's, you know, one of the things that makes this teaching from Jesus incredible is just how, um, how useful salt really is. But like when it says brings out the flavors, so I am an, an amateur uh, barbecuer. Tattoo uh, artist? <laughs> not quite. Uh, <laughs> so I like to smoke meat. I have a, a small pellet grill that I do that with. And if you're like an offset smoker person, you're like, you uh, don't call pellet grill smoker. I, that's fine. Uh, you, you know, to each their own. But uh, I'm going to continue to call it smoking. And when I do that, a lot of times, like, you'll want to add – you don't even have to, like, smoke meat. If you just want to cook steak, right, throw a little salt on there, like – five minutes before you actually throw it onto the pan or on the grill or whatever. And you start to see the juice of the steak start to come out to out to the outside of the steak. Right. Um, that's one of the things that salt does is it brings out flavor from inside the meat to the outside. And that's one of like, I, I like that picture of this is what we do. We, uh, we inhabit the earth in a way that brings the best out uh, in the forefront. And that is, you know, if you want to bring back the Beatitudes, that's being merciful and being a peacemaker and, uh, loving people well, and, you know, being righteous and searching for that and all that. So, um, you know, salt has a number of different varieties or like uses though. And I think each of them can play an aspect into what Jesus is talking about here. It's incredibly valuable. In fact, I, Russell, are you familiar with the phrase worth his salt? I'm not. So, it's something that I've heard rarely, but you know, maybe as a listener, maybe you, your parents said that, or your grandparents said that, or whatever. Somebody's worth their salt means that they're, you know, worthy in a sense, uh, and that's really came from Roman soldiers being paid in salt. Like that's how valuable it was that some of them took their salary in salt. Um, we also know that salt preserves and it slows down the process of decaying, which that's 
a very common theme throughout scripture that we are to bring pockets of heaven of lifelong uh, lasting impact here onto the earth. It's we're in a dying place. I'm, I hate to break that to you if this is your first time hearing that, but the earth is dying in a way. Uh, there is a new earth, new heaven that God is going to bring ultimately, and we are here in order to. I don't know, Russell. In some ways, would you say we are here to preserve this earth in any way? Yeah, I mean, you have responsibility to the world, to the earth. I think so. Uh, preserve. It's a funny way to say that. I don't know if I'd, I mean, I I think I understand how you're connecting it, but I think it just sounds silly. Okay. (laughs) Good to know. Uh, Well, hey, I got another phrase for you. Salt of the earth person. You familiar with that one? Yeah, I've heard that one before. All right. I've been to a couple of Baptist uh, potlucks myself. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I'm about to put you in timeout. Uh, I'm a little little salty today. (laughs) Exactly. no, like I think that's a that that phrase transcends religion, even though I think probably that's where we get it from. Like yeah. being a salt of the earth person is straight from this passage. Um, See, I when I think about this passage, are we doing a lot of the world stuff today too? Yep. Okay, so when I think about this passage, I just I I think about Jesus because they're on a they're on the hill, they're over the they're over the um, they're over the Sea of Galilee, and they're looking out, and I just see him see these people, and it's his people, and he's with. Is these these Jewish people that he loves and cares for that they're God's people, and I just see him almost like see the potential in them, hmm. and almost like being a salt of the earth type person or leader. That G- Jesus was the ultimate salt of the earth person, probably uh, real salt of the earth. Guy. He's a real salt of the earth guy, but that in itself, just seeing their potential and almost almost like trying to to usher them to actually be be these like be, be the people that they're they're called to be. Yeah. You know, I think I think that's when I whenever I read these passages I just think like you can do it. Like this is what you are. You are the salt. This is this is what you were made for. You're the light of the world. Like you're the city on the hill. Like this is this is what it's about. Like this is who you're called to be. So be it is what I I've always see it to be. Mm. And so you know like a like a father or like a, a coach who sees his team that just has is again full of potential and they just aren't seeing their purpose and passion, you know, or they're just missing it by that much. Yeah, that's interesting because one of the things that stuck out to me as I was initially reading this was, so one, the you here is a plural uh, word. It's A you all. Yes, a you all, a y'all maybe. We do. In Greek, when we translate stuff like this, we translate it as y'all. Yeah, so y'all uh, are the salt of the, he also, it's, so it's, it's plural, it's all of you, it's a collective, yep. right? But also, not only that, it's not y'all will be the salt of the earth if you... No, it's you are. It's you are. It, y- y'all like, are. Recognize that you are. Look yeah. in the mirror. You are yeah. the salt of the earth. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so I, I love that part. Um, I always think Jesus has a little tear in his eye coming down for whatever reason. Because I really... Salt I, in his eye? What? I'm keep going. A little, salt, <laughs> a little sand in his eye from the, the fake salt. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I just think he does. I think he's passionate. I, mean, I think it's a passionate moment here of calling them to something greater. Yes. Yes. hundred percent. Now, uh, there's an, a really interesting quote from, I've been, I've been doing some research with, uh, I, I like the Bible.org. I think they can have a few things that are, it's a little old school. Um, and I don't, I don't love everything that they say. And I'll bring up a, a quote that I don't necessarily love, but I found really funny. Um, they said, they put it this way. The more decay in society, they're looking at salt as a preservative here, one of the many things that salt does. 
The more decay in society means that society looks less and less like Downton Abbey and more and more like MTV Cribs. I still don't know what that means. I same. Uh, and this is this is <laughs> why I think it's so funny because I, I think what the point that they're trying to make is holding Downton Abbey to this like maybe pure society or something, um, whereas Cribs has a flair of uh, just like money unnecessarily spent and kind of leaning into just worldly values in a sense. I, I loved Cribs growing up. I thought it was an awesome show. Did you watch Cribs? You too old for that? I'm not, I'm not too old for it. <laughs> You're probably too young. Your parents probably were like, why are you watching MTV, bro? <laughs> I, uh, when they used to have uh, music videos on MTV. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the classics. Um, I did watch some Cribs. Not a, I, It wasn't like a show I would just go watch. I wasn't really that interested. Yeah. Which I felt like once you watch one, you've, you've seen them all. Not true. It's hard to disagree, but it doesn't what's matter. The, what's the best crib you've ever seen? Uh, I think Kid Rocks was pretty sweet. I don't really remember what exactly what was in it. Is that remember. one at the lake? Uh, there's probably some water involved. I don't know. He seems like a water guy. <laughs> probably got a home beach somewhere. Uh, I don't know. I I just uh, I just thought it was cool seeing what these people had in their houses. Anyway, point being, um, I don't know that we necessarily need to look at old society as being better than newer society because the ironic thing is so uh we talked about this before we got on like neither of us have seen any of downton abbey (laughs) which probably doesn't help us make this point but the the summary if you go to imdb the plot summary the very first line says a chronicle of the lives of the british aristocratic crawley family and their servants in the early 20th century now nothing to that screams to me that this is somehow holy and righteous uh we're talking about like this aristocratic very so they probably had very big wealthy homes just like mtv cribs uh and they have servants in them that they're i don't know i mean when you think of a servant that's not necessarily the greatest picture that comes to your mind when humans having other humans as servants and so uh i just find it fascinating that that's our comparison that we use as like this is what society would look like if we had salt and light and this is what society looks like without that salt and light as it decays yeah. Um, just very funny, like kind of how we get lost in these I- ideals of a different time when society was better this, than this it is was, now. This was the this was the pure of the society. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So uh, I thought you know kind of silly, but one last thing before we move on from the salt, uh, there's a really interesting take that I heard that I really liked. So in Luke 14, Jesus tells a very similar idea of of salt, and he says. Uh, Luke 14, 34 and 35, salt is good, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is of no use either for the soil or the for the manure pile. It is thrown away. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, when he says uh, not just that the flavor is gone, but that it is no use for the soil or for the manure pile, uh, what he's getting at there is that in soil, what salt can do is it can be kind of a natural pesticide in a way. If you ever put salt on a slug or something like that, like it's a very it's very gross and cruel to the slug to do, but it just eats away. It burns right through it. Um, so there's like a natural pesticide herbicide kind of thing that happens when you put salt into soil. It preserves it. It helps growth. It's same in the manure pile. It can uh, mix in with the manure that manure is used to help grow things so this idea is that it preserves life in a sense and it promotes life and i like that idea of what salt if we're comparing ourselves to being the salt on the earth we preserve and promote life here on earth i love that yeah 
It's good. It's a good little nugget. Yeah. All right, let's move on to light here in our last few verses. Starting in verse 14 of Matthew 5, it says, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. i got to be honest, Russell. The phrase, let your light shine, has lost its saltiness for me. <laughs> I have been jaded to that phrase. I just I feel like I've heard it so many times that it now is just I don't care to hear it anymore. Where where have you heard it? I think like growing up in like Awanas and like in youth groups and things like that. Like you it's did just Awana? Yeah, at the lake, man. For how long? Did you go through all through middle school? No, I went to a middle school youth group. Uh it was like fifth and sixth grade maybe. Did you you compete in the Awana Olympics? I don't know what that is. I just got a little badge with some stickers on it and felt good about myself. Cool. All right. You finish a book? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> don't you go there on me. Uh, <laughs> I did one time. There was an attendance <laughs> uh, prerequisite. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah. So, and if you're listening to this, you love that phrase. I don't, I'm not saying anything bad about it. There's nothing wrong with telling people to shine their light and all that. It's just for me personally, that's just kind of lost some luster. If you will. I don't know. I just think about Maisie and I sing this little light of mine a lot, which is oh, really funny. Yeah. There you go. So this I think about this every time about we sing this song. Um yeah, I don't have any issues with the phrase that I, I mean here's here's another way uh, well, this is what Eugene says. He says, Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. That's pretty cool. Yeah. God, God flavors, God colors. Yep, God flavors, God colors. God is not a secret to be kept, which we, we when we sing we talk about hiding under a bushel. Uh, we're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make your light, if, uh, so if I make your light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm, I love that line. Yeah. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I put you there on a hilltop on a light stand, shine. So keep open house. Be generous with your lives uh, by opening up to others. And so I like. I think I think maybe the let your light shine. Uh, I think maybe it's too much uh individualized in, in some ways and so i think that's part of the problem where it's like god's created you made you like to, to be lights in this world and so just be accessible be available like i love that i think it's appropriate i think i think i like the salty one a little bit better though if i'm yeah. if I, not gonna lie but let me give you this quote dl moody says lighthouses blow no horns they just shine there you go and think on that one for a minute I like that as we talk into these microphones. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, so I, I like that. For the next five minutes, we'd like for you to turn your flashlight up on your on your phone and just <laughs> silence. Yes. Just just study that that light with no sound. Uh, no, I, I I think that's interesting, just in the sense that light light just is like it doesn't need to announce itself. It doesn't need to promote itself or whatever. It just is, and it creates something. It you know. We could get into the whole idea of pushing back darkness and all of that, but I think light, yeah, in a lot of ways, it just it is what it is, uh, and I think there's something about that that as Christians we can grab onto that we are like again going back to you are the light of the world, not not you will be, not you can be, not it's available. It, you are the light of the world. You all are, and um, 
yeah, the city on a hill thing is interesting too. There's, I've got a note here from a study guide uh, that David, I think his last name, Guziak, uh, Guz, uh, sorry, David, if I'm butchering that. Uh, but this note says, not far from this little hill where we believe Jesus taught is the city uh, Safet, S-A-P-H-E-T. Uh, it's supposed to Safet. be... Safet. Safet. That's S- what I'm going with. Yeah, Safet, yeah. It's supposed to be the ancient uh, Bethulia. It stands upon a very imminent and conspicuous mountain and is seen far and near. May we not suppose that Christ alludes to this city and these words of his. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. So literally, there's a, a likelihood that as Jesus is teaching on this hill, he's yeah. looking at a city on a mountain and going, look how far you can, like, look how obvious that is. Look how well that can be seen. Look at how that stands out. And it is there, and you can see it in, in the darkness. It, it is a, a beacon. Um, I find that to be fascinating. I, I don't know. Again, this is me borrowing someone else's research here, so um, you know it's possible that that's incorrect. But uh, that's that's the idea here. Just yeah, I think it's Safet. Yeah, I'm just I'm trying to find it on a map because I want to see how close it is. While you do that, I'll tell a quick story uh, what this reminds me of. So when we, when I lived in Illinois, uh, first eight years or so of my life, uh, we would travel to see grandparents, family, whatever. Or actually, once we moved to the lake, this is a better example. I'd see it more often this way, traveling from the lake to uh, go visit family in Illinois. There was always this one. So Illinois in the area that we live is very flat, very ton of farmland, everything. You can see very far. And there was this one house that would have a had a barn, and on the barn on top they there's this giant like star. Uh, it was like just like a, almost like a like Christmas tree lights kind of thing, but it was huge, and you could see this thing forever. And I would always know like, hey, we're X number of minutes away, or we've you know we're getting close once you see the star in the sky, and that was always like like this kind of beacon or this indicator of. Uh, you know, a number of different things for me heading into visit family or leaving. Uh, but I always think about that, like how far away I could see that and how I just knew that meant something. And there was something like there was a memory attached to that. Yeah. So on my map, you can just, if you just Google uh, Safed, S-A-F-E-D in Galilee on your Google Maps, it'll bring you to a city. Oh. You'll see the, it'll probably give you the Safed Citadel. Can you see that? So they're probably, um, so Capernaum is, you can see it just southeast of it. Capernaum is like where Peter lived, and that's where Jesus did a lot of his ministry. He did it all around the lake. And then the church is like, like literally like where this little church is, is about there, or similar to that right there. So they were looking, depending on which way they were looking, he, he was either preaching towards them or, or they were they're looking behind right him. behind him, yeah, huh. and they'd see it. Yeah. So there you go. So that is probably true that they could that literally he's like, hey, like a city on a hill. <laughs> Just like that. Right yeah. there. Right there. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So be the salt of the earth. Be the light of the world. Yeah. Uh, Charles Spurgeon also had this nugget that rabbis would call their brightest people the light of the world. They would say that would be their kind of encouragement to them. 
Uh, and so it's possible that Jesus was ha- maybe had that in mind as well. Because uh, you think about a rabbi having these, you know, very strict rules and guidelines for who would follow them, who yep. would be their pupils, and they would pick out the best of the best to follow them. And then the best of that group then gets to be called the light of the world. Jesus is looking at a, a, a very mismatched group of Jews, non-Jews, uh, believers in God or monotheism or whatever, just kind of this massive eclectic group of people. And he's going, you all are the light of the world, or you all are. Uh, you're, this, you're the best. You're the best people. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. they're like, no, this, <laughs> that guy, uh, you have no idea. That's one of the guys that sold me this sand instead of salt right yeah. over there. Um, so I think that's really interesting, too. And as Jesus has this very inclusive message that he's inviting everyone into, it's not like you have to pass all these hurdles or know all this information or whatever. Um, he's saying you all get to participate in this. I'm calling you this. Yeah, yeah. It's it's crazy too because like they're not. Uh, I think before I went to the Holy Land, which we we I do need to put that on the calendar, maybe for 2024 Mission City, unofficial Mission City Church 2024 Holy Land trip. We'll talk about it. Be Sweet. pretty fun anyway. Um, but. I uh, maybe 2025. We'll we'll see how much time we need. Uh, but the uh, the crazy thing is, so they're a little bit north of Jerusalem. So they're like they're kind of like a bunch of like not I was gonna use the word hillbilly, but not that. But just more like country rural people. Rural people, yeah. And like he's not going to the elite to have this conversation. He's just having a conversation with just like people that are way out in the burbs, if you will, um, of this city, maybe even less than that, or just people in the country who they're fishermen. They, they, there's some cities there, but they're not huge and they're just trying to get by. And it's like, we're not even the, like, we're not like education was probably lower. Like you're just talking to this, just kind of, it's probably more impoverished too, just kind of like regular or like maybe, uh, middle to lower class people, and he's looking at them going, you're the light of the world. You're the salt of the earth. Mm. Let's start a movement of, of the kingdom that's going to change the world. And it did. That's so good. That's so good. Like I think about how many people are there that have, no one's ever told you that you're valuable. Like no one's ever, like you just live, you're just a normal person, live your normal life, go to your normal cube, farm your normal land, you know, whatever it may be. And Jesus comes along and goes, no, like you're like, I'm actually going to compare you to one of the most valuable things. And like one of the things that is more useful than just about anything else that, you know, in your society. Yep. And like, just add so much, yeah. Honor and respect and value to people who probably have never just thought they were, you know, just trying to get by. Yeah. Just trying to live life, live, you know, get by and make it. And yeah, he just has this message of one, wherever you are, even in the lowliest of places, there's blessings available to you. There's hope available to you. You know why? Because you're super valuable and you have this great presence and opportunity and potential here on this earth to preserve and promote life and to push back darkness around you. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I love that. Well, so you, you got anything else you want to add or you want to wrap it up there? I have no other thoughts at this time. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks so much for your time, Russell. I do appreciate it. And uh, we'll be back next week to continue this series of this sermon that Jesus told and breaking it down. Hope you've been enjoying it so far. We love you guys. Thanks so much for checking out this episode of the Mississippi Church Podcast. We'll be back next week. See you then. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Mission City Church podcast. Mission City Church is a non-denominational church in Mission, Kansas. We meet on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Merriam Community Center off Slater Street between Johnson Drive and Shawnee Mission Parkway. We also have five community groups that meet throughout the KC Metro. If you live in the Kansas City area and would like more information, please visit our website at missioncitykc.com or send me an email at jake at missioncitykc.com.